And so tonight, as we look into Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 through 19, I want you to know that when the name of Jesus is proclaimed, when God is made great and we are made less, everything changes. We sing a song around here and there's one line from it that catches me every single time. And almost every single time I try to sing it out, I almost just break down in tears because it's so, so incredibly true that when he walks into the room, everything changes. There is not one stronghold that can remain. There is not an insecurity that can overshadow. There is nothing that can stand in the presence of God. There is nothing that is greater than the good name of Jesus Christ. And we read Nehemiah and walk through these. You're going to there's, there's a couple verses we're going to focus on, but there's a, a couple other things in there that are of pretty big interest to me tonight as we wrap up this series. But really, tonight's message is a message of celebration. It's a recognition of what happens when God begins to work in our hearts. And so I'm going to ask you guys to read this. I just turned around and read it off the screen, so you can do that too if you'd like. But um, verses 15 through 19. And then we're going to go back and make a couple observations and then go to dinner. Sound good? Yeah, thank you for your approval. Um, <clears throat> so on October 2, I like this. This is the New Living Translation. If you read it in like the ESV, it'll say like the second week of Enoha or something like that, right? And like, I didn't want you to have to like diagram that out and figure it out, okay? So, so on October 2, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and, our surrounding, and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. And during those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law was a guy with the name that starts as S, son of Era, and his son Jehohanana, was married to the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. Very, you know, if you're thinking of having children and naming them, this is a great place to go. They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said, and Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. Now, on reading that, you're thinking, Jeff, you just said we were going to talk about celebrating God's goodness and his faithfulness. And you end with this idea that somebody's sending threatening letters. Let me just uh, be very clear from the very beginning. Whenever God restores, rebuilds, revives, rejuvenates, changes, moves you, accomplishes something great in you, there will still always be people in your life who send you threatening letters. It doesn't go away. We live in a world where there is a tension the tension between the presence of God and the power of God at work and, and forces and, and Satan himself, evil upon this earth. And until there is a day where God comes and he, begin, and he breaks the power, sin and death, on this earth, there will always be a tension. So, let's resign to the fact, let's just recognize the fact that even on our best day, there is still going to be somebody who has something negative to say. We read it in the psalm. We see it here. 
and over and over and over and over in Scripture, and probably every day of your life, you would be pumped up about something. There would be something great happening, and somebody always has something negative to say at some point. Why? Because we live in a broken world that's full of this tension between God and things that are not for God. And I want to encourage you as church, let's recognize that when you experience those things and when you get those intimidating or threatening things happening in your life, it's not because you're this evil, outrageously mistaken and off the path person. It's simply, this is the world we live in. And that's why we ask for God's protection on an every day, every minute, every week basis. There has to be his protection. And, and we'll see over and over again. But people are always asking me, uh, and, and church in general, they'll ask people that are followers of Christ, well, if God's so great, how come bad things happen to good people? Let's just resign to this fact. There is no good person. There is only a good God who rescues people. And there are people who are nice and moral and kind, but there will always be bad things because we live in a broken world. And until the Father chooses to heal those things, and until the Father breaks that bondage that we live in, and one day puts it all right, we pray and we ask, be my shield, and be my strength, be my protector, and be my God. So, first thing I wanted to point out, and, 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 and Paul, if you keep me going here, when God is at work in us, normal means nothing. So when we started the process of, of doing this whole building here, for instance, um, I've told you guys, some of you have heard the story over and over again. You're like, yeah, Jeff, we get the point, right? But I, I just can't keep talking about it. The, the whole process of coming in here and taking this cold storage unit place, building storage housing facility, and turning it into a place where we'd start meeting for church happened in about seven weeks total. And when we said we needed to put in bathrooms and dig you know, like septic system and run water and do all the stuff into this place. People are going, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever. But normal means nothing when God is at work in what we're doing. And I'm not saying people didn't have a hand in it, but what I'm saying is when the Spirit of God moves on something and, and He is pleased with where you're at and what's going on, all kinds of things change places. Everything, uh, it, 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 normal means nothing. So if it normally goes like this, when you're praying, don't expect for it to go normally as it would go. And, and time and time again, I've seen this in our world. And for, for these people, for this story, you have Nehemiah who normally would not be given the opportunity to leave the side of the king. The king of Assyria. I mean, this was a big deal. Like, not a super highly moral person. And for him to say, I'd like for you to allow me to go back to a country that you now overlord, that you oversee, that you have overtaken and busted up and broken down. And, and I'd like to go back there and I'd like to fortify the walls of that city within your own kingdom. And I'd like to build those people up and I'd like to do it at your expense. I don't, again, this, it's mind-blowing to consider that that king would respond, Nehemiah, that's a great plan. Why don't you go do that? 
Normally, that's not what would be happening. But then you follow this through. And normally, people are working and and doing all the, the work that they're doing. They would have to be paid. Well, these people weren't being paid. And in the midst of this, Nehemiah set in place a whole social um, uh, care system among the people at the time. They were providing for each other's needs. They were meeting together. He was rebuilding a community. Like there was a huge amount of stuff that was taking place. It wasn't just about setting rocks on top of rocks to make a wall. And then at the same time, they've got all these people that are coming in and they're battling them and they're coming against them. And so he says, I want some of you to build with a sword in your hand and with a trowel in the other to build, you know, lift rocks into place while you're carrying your weapons of warfare, protect yourself. And he lines them up. And what is happening all the time is throughout this whole story is there is a re-knitting of a broken Society, a broken people who don't trust one another, who don't care for one another, who don't believe in one another, and who have lost faith in the God who provides and protects. And so when we read this and it says on October 2, we finished building the walls. And it was a 52-day project. I just want you to get an idea. Will you go to that picture that I put in there? This is like a total like mock-up. But this is what those walls would have looked like. And they were probably not that smooth. This is like a computer-generated deal. So we're talking about stacks of rocks and everything. But but what what happened is in that 52 days... Now, the, the author Josephus, who is kind of... He's the historian that people like to quote a lot of the time. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Jew. He, he was just a historian who was walking through and helping explain some of this. He says it actually took about two and a half walls, two and a half years for the walls to be completely done. And and what they're saying there is Nehemiah came in and he built up and he put them all together and closed all the gaps and finished off the majority of the walls. What would have been done over the next couple of years is they would have thickened those walls and strengthened those walls and finished them off and made them look nice and done all that kind of stuff. Nehemiah did the brunt of the work, but this surrounding wall, everything, they have this uh, Siloam pool, the king's garden. Um, there, there's one called the Dung Gate, which that would be a bummer if your house was facing the Dung Gate. I just think, you know, for all you real estate agents, that's not the place you'd want to have to, you know, that's my section. I got the Dung Gate area. You look like a Dung Gate person. Come on, let's go over here, right? Um, but at these points and, and, and that's a that's a huge setting right there now picture and you can kind of see how they've done on the computer graphic here where they've kind of laid out that there's these different communities that have, have that are surrounding now remember the majority of the issue that was coming is these walls were broken down and people were beaten down and and every time they would build something up people would come in and they would just smash it back down and so they had been destroyed. It was a century and a half it had been like this. A long time. People's entire lineage that they could remember. The stories from great-grandpa were somewhere down the line this used to all be together, but I haven't seen it in my lifetime. And so for Nehemiah to come in and in 52 days put back something that was broken, I would say this, God always finishes the work that he starts. 
There's a section in Scripture where it says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And that's something we have to keep in mind. And we're going to have to keep it in mind, whether it's for us or for the people around us, right? Because people will look and they'll go, you know, like they did with this story, partway through the building, they're going, you'll never get this done. Tobiah, the nice guy that was mentioned later on in the scripture here, whose father-in-law was somebody, he said, in fact, when foxes, little tiny foxes with their soft little patty feet walk on that wall, it's just going to crumble because you're doing such a bad job at that. I don't know about you, but there are times when I feel like I am trying so hard. Like I am, man, I'm waking up in the morning and I am praying and I am doing my stuff and I'm writing a couple lines in my journal because I hate journaling and I got a Bible near me and I read a couple, you know, I, I, I got this stuff, right? And I'm trying so hard. And it just isn't going. And, and anybody speaking into my life can say, Jeff, what are you thinking? really? Do you think it's supposed to look like this? And it can throw me off. I have days like that. Most of my days are absolutely fantastic. But I would say there are moments, there are times where I have to be reminded that just as Nehemiah and the people were doing the work, he will complete the work. I love how it says on October 2nd, we finished the work of building the wall. Big deal. Because God always finishes what he starts. When God rebuilds us, people around us will know. There's no hiding his work. Now, there are two classifications of change that I talk about when I'm doing Bible studies and when I'm meeting, especially with guys. And it's this. One is uh, just behavior modification. And two is real, significant, God-ordained change. Behavior modification looks like a New Year's resolution most of the time. And it's that kind of a thing where you go, I'm gonna, 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 or I'm not, not, not gonna do that. And we like force ourselves into this pattern. It's that kind of thing. Did you know it takes 21 days to form a habit? I'm going to do something for 21 days, right? So you buy those little tubs and you make all your food in the 21 day fix things and you get that much dessert, like that much. And then you get like this much broccoli, which gives you gas and everybody hates you. And there's all kinds of stuff, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I hate chicken. Like don't even talk about chicken anymore. I hate it, right? But for 21 days, I can do anything for 21 days. The problem is on day 25, when I'm eating 17 pounds of steak at a given meal because I love red meat, right? I love, uh, anybody seen Oprah's new commercial for the weight loss deal? I love bread. I love bread. You get a car. I love bread, right? And, and she does this thing where she's like, I mean, I love bread. And honestly, while she's talking, I'm picturing every loaf of bread that I've ever really enjoyed, right? I'm like, French bread, warm from the oven, right? And she's like, and I have lost, I don't know, it's 492 pounds. And every day, this is like the 17th time, and, and every day I have eaten bread. And I am like, honestly, my kids were watching, it was on the commercial and I was working on something, standing up in the corner and I was like, that's it, let's all eat bread. 
Let's do this, right? I'm looking for anything. I don't care if it's leavened, unleavened. I don't know, whatever, right? Let's have bread. But I think there's something about Sorry. Now, I really want bread. Jeff, we have bread tonight, don't we? Yes, we have bread. <coughs> Hold on, go back to that one. I'm still making that point. <laughs> the, the bread did not take us over the top. But here, here's the big thing. For a lot of us, we think this behavior modification is the best deal. You know, it's, it's really important that we tell a few people around us, by the way, Keith, I've been watching my weight. I've been exercising. I'm on the 20th day of my 21-day fix, and I'm almost there. It's almost become a habit to me. And I need to let you know because I, we should know. Now, now, that's great, and I love the idea of having accountability, especially when it comes to fitness, especially when it comes to some of those bigger issues in life. But I also know that there's a difference when your life is changed. Now, this is a little nerving for me, but there are moments when I've sat with adults who've talked about addictions that they had, whether it was pornography or alcohol or drugs, that started when they were very young. For those of you who are parents, you just need to know that the majority of people that we talk to where their addictions were cultivated in their life, a lot of them, when it came to uh, things of a sexual nature, a lot of those started as junior hires and carried on. Chemical dependencies and those kind of things, they start uh, a lot for students when they get into their high school, junior, senior years and on through kind of those exploratory years of college or whatever. And it gets a hold of them and it holds them in bondage. But there's a difference between somebody who says, I've decided I'm not going to do that anymore. Behavior modification. And somebody who says, dear God, surrender. And I need you to restore me and rebuild me. And they no longer crave the things that they craved. Does that happen all the time? No. I don't understand. But I do know that there are places where God will literally take people in their DNA, in their chemical makeup, and restore them. Break the things that once held them in bondage. And people around you notice. You don't have to go around with the chest puffed out saying, by the way, did you know I've, I've changed some things? No. You say, hey, I've noticed that you're not so angry anymore. I was angry? What do you mean I was angry? No, never mind, never mind. I'm not angry anymore, right? I, I've noticed that you just have a different way about you, that there's just something different. There's a peace. Which leads us to the next one. What makes this change different? This change that's different is that it's a surrender to God and recognizing who we are. And so I just put up on there the reference to that Scripture that I read. The Lord is my delight and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil comes to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. And pushing ahead in the Scripture... I love where he says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. When you know your source, everything changes. Additionally, 
The section where it says, don't turn your back on me, God. Don't reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, oh God of my salvation. There's something that comes in the concept, the idea that God, I am pursuing you so hard that the most dangerous place that I could find myself would be to be outside of your will. Or be so far behind you that I can't recognize your presence in my life. God, don't let me miss the moments. The only thing that changes the world is the work that's done with the help of the Lord. And that really is kind of the bottom line to this whole thing. Every one of us probably has a couple of things we'd really like to see God do in our lives, change in our lives, or work on our behalf. And that's awesome. That's great. But let's, let's recognize where our source is. Anything that is a good and long-lasting and forever change comes on the heels of God working on our behalf. It doesn't come from our good intentions. One of the things I love about real and significant change, these stories of big moments that happen in people's lives, is because they can usually point back to the marker points where God moved on my behalf. And so that's my question for us tonight. Have you recognized? Do you know? Have you seen the places where God has been moving on your behalf? And I'm not talking about the kind of deal like, you know, I prayed and God gave me a front row parking spot right by the right entrance at Target. You know, well, I was pretty bad, so he made me park over by the pharmacy when I really wanted some electronical goods. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the menial things. I'm talking about those big marker points where you need to sit down and go, I felt like I was really smart there or I did something great, but I'm seeing this is the favor and the goodness of God. Think about this, though. What if things are just crud? What if things have just gone bad? What about those places where things have not been okay? And there's a bunch of you in the room that we've been walking through some of those. What about those moments? Guess what? The favor of God is not just on display in the moments when you're winning. The favor of God is on display when you're behind it, when you're under it, when you're broken, when you're beat down, and there's something of your spirit that still cries out, but He is my God and He is providing for me, and He is watching over me. There's a section of Scripture that says, though they slay me, I will ever praise you. Though they break me down and come after me, and they hunt me, and they try to destroy me, and they try to break me, I will praise you no matter what. And that's the power of the presence of the Lord in our lives. And when Nehemiah says, after 52 days of work, we finished the work of rebuilding a wall that had been broken down for a century and a half, I am telling you, church, tonight, there is nothing that the Lord will not come and either conquer or comfort you in the midst of. He is our strength.
He is our source. He is our source. I don't know how much more plainly to put it, and I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm struggling right now. I just got to be honest. Like, I know what I'm about to do, and you don't know what I'm about to do, but I know it's going to trip some of you out, but it's okay. I'm not going to jump or anything like that. <laughs> He's got to go. <laughs> I've all, yeah, okay. This is totally uncomfortable for a lot of people, but but at the same time, I really feel like we got to close up our time, and, and we're just on time for, for having a couple minutes to do this. With just spending a few minutes where you are, um, gathering with a couple people who would be near you and praying for one another. Like, you've heard a good message, right? Like, I think it was pretty good. But the message is that our God saves and our God conquers and our God restores. And that's great, but it would be really easy to get up and go out and just stuff my face with rice and beans here in a few minutes. Rice pilaf, that is. It would be easy to go out and, and kind of carry on like everything else is normal. But there's something about saying, no, I'm going to just take a moment and I'm going to surrender and I'm going to let the people of God surround me and pray for me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Band is going to come up. We're just going to play in the background. We won't pump it up real big until the very end. Well, we'll worship and we'll move our way out of here. But I'm going to ask just for a few minutes, would you gather with like, four or five people? Or would you just individually pray for each person there? Some of you, maybe you've never prayed out loud before. You don't have to make it huge and long. I'm known for really short prayers. It may just be, God, I don't even know this guy's name, but I know you do. And I know you love him. Be with him, right? It can be something easy. It may be something totally anointed and ordained. And if God does that for you, that's great. But, but what I think needs to happen and what I've been pressed by the Holy Spirit in this night, in this place to do is before we leave, where every single one of us is going to be prayed for. So if you're in like a little family group, okay, it would be easy to just take your four or five and, you know, oh, isn't this nice? Stretch out just a little bit, invite somebody to be a part of that group that's, that's not of you. And let's see what God can do for just a few minutes of inviting him to God, rebuild us. You're praying for rebuilding. You're praying for encouragement. You're praying for strength. You're praying for his presence. So I'm going to have you guys go to those groups, four or five people. It doesn't have to be much more. If you want to go bigger, great. Just know it's not going to be very long. And then when we're done, we're going to go have food. And that's where we end tonight, is believing and knowing that it is well. Because He lives. Because He is in control. What God begins, He finishes. What God does, doesn't look normal. In the places where you feel pressed, He is present. In the places where you sing praise, He is to be magnified and glorified. We serve a mighty God. So will you extend your hands to receive a benediction blessing tonight? May God bless you and may God keep you this week. May his face shine upon you like you've not experienced thus far in your existence. May you know his presence in the ins and the outs of this week, in the very moments that you need him and the very moments that you need to praise him. May you know the goodness of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And as you go from this place, may your hearts be full 
and on fire. And may your mouth be continuously singing His praise. For He is good and greatly to be praised. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Join us for dinner. Happy Valentine's Day.